It is Locked on Jazz for the 6th of October. Why Donovan Mitchell is on the verge of an offensive explosion this season. Where the Jazz sit in the preseason schedule and what to expect. The Mavericks tonight and maybe all this Kyrie stuff does matter a little bit. It's all coming up live on Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz. Apologize, as has been the case all week. I did not bring a webcam with me. Um, and uh, my laptop cam does not really work, so therefore um, I have to get that fixed, and I need to bring a webcam with me on the road, so I will try to fix that. apologize uh, for that. Thanks to all who have joined us live in the YouTube chat room looking at a Lockdown Jazz blue screen. All right, uh, I wanted to get into Donovan Mitchell. Uh, first of all, yesterday just to practice uh, shooting, he's just incredible. I mean, his shot is so gorgeous. I got to talk to him. Like, why was there ever a discussion on Donovan Mitchell that he, like, couldn't shoot and wasn't a shooter? And his touch is amazing. I I mean, you watch the work he's putting in. I've talked about it a lot. He's the second-best spot-up shooter in the NBA in his uh, – in – behind Joe Harris. It's crazy to look back at his Louisville numbers. His freshman year, he barely plays. He plays 19 minutes a night, and he shoots 25% from three. And then in his sophomore season, he shoots 35% from three. But he's he's one of the great shooters in this league when you watch him play. I'm so curious to see the different things that Quinn Snyder does with him and how they use him. We saw in the playoffs them giving him, playing him off the ball, coming off with an advantage, some low side you know, almost pin downs that open him up into some quick actions to get him some looks rather than him to have to initiate everything from the top. It's going to be a fascinating year to see all the different ways that Quinn gets Donovan something. But just looking at him statistically, and let's walk down this. This is going to be a lot of numbers here. But I think we're about to see a massive offensive jump from Donovan. I mean, first of all, the kid's just great. Like, we, you know, let's. I don't think anyone needs me to – Remind them he's also just a wonderful kid, but moreover as a player, I'm just totally talking as a player. He He's fabulous, and he's in the natural progression as a player where this is there's another jump to be made. Like you, you make a jump as a player from year two to year three, and then you make progressive jumps as you move forward in your career, and this is the next one to be had is – that jump that we're going to see from Donovan this year. Let's walk through some numbers. So in his rookie year, he comes on as a ball of fire. And if you recall, he really fatigues as the year goes on and he gets less and less efficient as the burden gets bigger. And then he comes back his second year and he, he settles in 
But he doesn't actually play very well the first half of that year. He's still trying to find himself in the beginning of the second year. This is a very natural progression of how players develop in the NBA. They come into the league. They The league's incredible. The players everywhere are amazing. They get their ass kicked, excuse me, in multiple multitude of ways. From there, they go back to the offseason and they try to fix all of the ways that they've gotten hammered and blasted and they're A-kicked. All those ways. They come back with these renewed skills, working at those various things, and guess what happens? They actually get it kicked again because the league's that good and there's all sorts of things that even the best players, other than maybe a Luka or a Durant, suddenly can't do in this league. And so... When they come back the second time, the beginning, it's the sophomore slump everyone talks about. It's actually not a sophomore slump. It's that they're trying to do the exact same things they did the year before because they've worked on them. They thought they'll do them better. There's a moment in time then, usually the third year, where they put those things away and say, okay, well, in the league, I can't do that. In the league, I can't get to the rim. In the league, I can't pull up on this crossover. In the league, I can't, whatever it might be that they just, that they, they actually can't get that shot. The window's too fast. They can't make get to the rim, whatever it might be. And they then, in the third year, make the jump. Donovan is so remarkably skilled at working on things and then adapting them immediately into what they're doing that when he actually implemented them in the middle of that second season. So he goes from shooting in the first half of his second season 41%. He jumps to 45%. In the second half of the season, he goes from 29% to 41%. He goes from 20 points to 27. He's really made a jump as a player. And then he has the brutal playoffs against the Rockets. We come back in the 1920 season, and which is now his third year, and he now emulates what he did in the final 44 games of his second season in the NBA. He shoots the 45% again. His three-point shooting goes from 41 to 35, which is really kind of irrelevant. It just means a few shots didn't go. His three-throw shooting's the same. His points per game go from 27 to 25. He, he's one less rebound and one less assist. He's, he's right kind of there. And in the second half of that 1920 season, he does he actually kind of holds right there, which makes sense. So he made the jump that most players make from year two to year three. He actually made that jump in the middle of year two, remarkably. Like, that's an incredible skill and a great tribute to who Donovan is that he's able to do that. So he he goes and he shoots 45% from the field the second half of that season. It's 32. He, he's right there. Still 24 points, four rebounds, four assists. His three-point shootings at, instead of 35 is at 37. And he's at 45% overall. And then he goes into the playoffs in 1920, and he's pretty fabulous. He 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 goes bananas. But that's in the bubble. And that's the bubble. He shoots 53% from the field, 52%. Those numbers are skewed. He scores 36 points a game, five points, five rebounds. Or five rebounds, five assists. It, it's, the bubble shooting was a little different than everywhere else. Donovan comes out now in last season. But, you know, so the first question now, was the bubble some precursor to him making another jump the way the second half of the season was in his second year? Or was the regular season of 1920, if you eliminate the bubble in 1920, 
season where we COVID hits in, in March of 2020, he's just kind of holding ground. And I think that's probably a better indicator than the uniqueness of the bubble and the shooting environment and all those things. But if you believe Kevin Pelton, Kevin Pelton, who was really interesting about the bubble, that guys were so good in the bubble because chronologically they just were older and improving. And that's why Jamal Murray's and Donovan Mitchell's and all these guys got better and better. So if we now look at the 21, 20, 2021 season of last year, in the first 20, and again, we now we only have kind of what's funky is we only have like 55 games to look at for Donovan. The first 27 games of the year, he's actually, he actually, he's almost, he's a little bit better than the 1920 season. Like there is a little bit of a progression up. His regular shooting is, is it kind of the same, but his three point shooting's now gone from 35 or 37 to 39. He's averaging 24, four and five. Like he's right on it, but he's a little more efficient. He's made a tiny little jump. So some of the bubbles carried over. But then what he does in the next 25 games before the ankle injury and then in the playoffs leads me to believe that this guy is about to have a massive offensive year. Because if you look at the progression of his career, first year fatigue, Second year in the second half of the year, which is early for a but he's so special at adapting. Then he kind of holds, but we see a little snippet of it in the bubble, which is a little inflated. First half of last year is normal. Second half of last year is not normal at all, coupled with the playoffs. And this year could be mammoth. I'll touch on it as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Grip6.com. Grip6 with their amazing selection of belts, the lightweight. Now they have the lightweight, the element, and the midweight buckle or straps for you to go along with all of the buckles. The men's honeycomb belt is the one I wear the most. It's what I have on this trip right now. The ninja belt's pretty great as well. There's a carbon fiber black one that's probably the one I wear when I want to be kind of the fanciest of all um, fabulous deals that are available for you promo code is locked on they also have a few great deals going on right now with their wool socks which I wear often uh, 30% on their wool socks they built a cool bu- uh, wallet if you've seen the YouTube ad about it the owner basically got tired of bad wallets and went to the to so creative that he went and built himself a brand new uh, wallet that now he sells. It's got these little clicks. So all your cards come out at once. Really cool. But the, from the belt standpoint, there's the all sorts of different series for you available. The promo code locked on will get you uh, 20% off. I believe is the discount right now. They have a new on the classic end of things. They have a new one that I hadn't seen before. It's classic. So it's probably been out for a while. It's kind of a blue buckle that looks sweet. I may have to add that to my collection, but my collection, quite frankly, is getting fairly large. I've got, I think, four straps and about five buckles. So, But the men blue steel buckle I had not seen in a while, and I think that is pretty styling. So that may have to be added uh, to my mix. It's all at Grip6.com, a Utah company, American-made, no flaps, no straps, absolutely fast. They've redone the website, too, and done a really nice job with that. Check out the Craftsman Buckles. Check out the carbon fiber ones I mentioned for you. The ultralights, the uh, the naturalist style, and the uh, flag series is super cool as well. It's all at grip6.com. 
betonline.com. Today's show also brought to you by my good friends over at betonline.ag. I'll tell you what, I'm waiting for the lines to move on the Kyrie Irving um, aspect of things. I think that there's at some point, like the lines have to move uh, on the Kyrie Irving uh, lack of going to practice, lack of playing in New York, lack of getting vaccinated. But as of right now, uh, have not seen major movement on the betonline.ag. Promo code locked on gets you a 50% welcome bonus. See, the Rams are a two and a half point favorite going into Seattle for Thursday night football this week. If you want to jump in on any of the football action, you can do that. If you want to get into the NBA futures game with the uh, finals matchup, most likely, obviously, is Brooklyn versus New York. The Jazz show up in the most common with Brooklyn versus the Utah Jazz at plus 1800 as the Sixth most likely NBA Finals matchup, Milwaukee versus Utah, gets to plus 4,000. All at betonline.ag, promo code locked on. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are here for you every day, and we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. All right, so second half, first half of the season, Donovan. 2021 season last year. Let's, but we're going to divide this in not to first half. Tw- first 27 games, second 25 games. He then gets injured. In the first 27 games, Donovan averages 24 points, four rebounds, and five assists. This is exactly what he averaged in the final 29 games of 1920. Pretty much exactly averaged in the first 33 games of 1920. Pretty much like right on where he's been. He took that jump in the second half of the 18-19 season which was his first kind of major progressive step in his amazing career. And it it held. It just held all the way through the bubble, as we mentioned, was kind of this jump. And then it held for the first 27 games. I just split this in half. He played 27 and 25. I could have done 20. I I just, I actually thought I had 27, uh, but then I didn't count the game. He got hurt because he only played 20 minutes. So I thought I had 27 and 26. I did 27 and 25. If you look at the last 25 games of his regular season last year, Donovan Mitchell shoots 45%, 38% from three, and 85% for line. Those are his constant numbers right now. But all of a sudden, his points per game goes to 29 points a game, five rebounds, and five assists. If you look at Donovan Mitchell's track record, the first jump was in the 18-19 second half of the season where he played in the final 44 games, he averaged 27. He then came back and kind of had that at 25 points a game there for these three different sequences, the playoff bubble bumps him a little. And now all of a sudden it was at 29. And then in the playoffs, he was at 32 points, four rebounds, six assists, 45% shooting, 44% from three and 83% from. So we look at that final stretch, the, the play, the four playoff games against Memphis and the six playoff games against. So 10 games, Plus the 20, so 35-game stretch, which is almost exactly what that second half of the season was in the bubble playoffs of 1920. And Donovan's averaging about 30 points a game, five rebounds, six assists a game. And his shooting numbers are really kind of there. He's going to lie a little bit more. He's getting another free throw. He's making another three. I think we're going to see a at the my my limit my back line on Donovan my seal my my basement on Donovan this year is 27 points a game i think there's a chance we're going to see 28 29 the kid can score at will he's one of the great shooters in the game he's stronger he's matured 
He didn't go to China in the offseason. He didn't do a shoot tour. He didn't do all these things. He just stayed and worked. His He's been traditionally a little bit of a slow starter. That's going to go away. And he just is understanding how to navigate, play the league. And he's such a smart person, such a smart player. And he's physically so strong. And frankly, he's just one of the great shooters. And the amount of different ways that Quinn Snyder can use him as a player to be able to give him looks, whether it's last year, I think I talked about this with Nate Duncan. I think he ran 2,000 pick and rolls and like Joe ran 1,600 and Mike ran 1,600. Like I kind of think Joe's running 1,200 and Donovan's running 2,400 this year. Like he's going to have the ball in his hands a little bit more. He's going to make a few more. But he also, I think, could play off the ball. Maybe those pick and rolls are actually pin downs in the corner where he comes off an advantage. Maybe there's a little bit more catch and shoot Clay Thompson stuff that the Jazz do from because he's such an un. I can't even tell you what it's like to watch him shoot in practice. It's it's so awesome. He just doesn't miss, and when he does, it's so soft. And even more interesting to me is the few times he does miss. He like you can hear him before he lets go. Before when the ball comes off his fingers, he's like ah. Like, he knows it's not a mystery to him of what the feel and the touch he's trying to get. It's why when you watch Donovan, it's actually was made play-by-play so hard last year. If you stay on Donovan after he shoots, you can almost always tell if he's made it or not uh, before the ball goes into the before you the ball goes in the basket. On play-by-play last year, the reason I said is that the ball, the TV follows the ball, not the player. And so I couldn't watch Donovan on the road games to tell what kind of rhythm he was in on a given night. But you can tell when he has that rolling and um, it's, it's really an interesting thing to watch uh, from Donovan, just go through his shooting drills and how fabulous he is. And I just think so. So I'm telling you, I think we're seeing a 27 to 29 and maybe even 30 point a game player this year from Donovan. And if you then go look at the players we always talk about, there's three of them that we compare them to Bradley Beal, Allen Iverson, and Damian Lillard. And that's, you know, Donovan, this is the jump Bradley Beal took from age 25 to 26 when he went from 26 points a game to 30. And he did it by going from the free throw line at 5.5 times a game to eight. He did it by taking seven threes to eight threes. So, you know, that's that's the Donovan's already at about nine threes a game. And can he go from the free throw line from five times a game to eight free throws a game? If we look at Lillard, he made the same jump a little later in his career. Dane makes the jump to a nearly 30 point game score. He does it in his 28 to 29 year old age, but it's the same jump. It's from 26 points a game to 30, 25.8. He does it by going to the free throw line one and a half more times per game. And he does it from taking going from eight threes to 10 threes a game. And Allen Iverson certainly different because of the era difference in that. So we'll look at him separately in a moment. But if we look at Donovan and if we're going to suddenly project Donovan to go from his 26.4, his usage rate was really high. His free throw shooting is so good though at 85%. What are we projecting? We're projecting that his free throws go from six to eight. That's how he does it, and he goes from taking probably 8.7 threes a game to 10 threes a game. So one more three, two more free throws, and all of a sudden, I think Don's at the 27 to 30 point a game player 
that we're talking about. The player he is truly like early on was was compared to as an offensive scorer is Allen Iverson, and it's not a it, it's not what I think we'd anticipate as the comp on him, but it's probably about right. At the fifth year in Allen Iverson's career, Allen Iverson went from twenty eight points a game to thirty one points a game. He obviously shot it a ton, and he did it without the three. But the way he made that jump is he went from incredibly nine free throws a game to 10. And he went from uh, taking two, three and a half threes to four to four and a half threes. So he increased a free throw and a three, which is a little different, obviously different era, different type of shooting. Um, and he out, he played 42 minutes a night is the other insane thing. Allen Iverson at his size led the league in minutes played in four of his opening eight seasons. He was playing 43 to 44 minutes a night. Incredible. Just overwhelmingly incredible. All right. Uh, so that is uh, the breakdown on Donovan. I want to look at where we are in preseason, what to look at against the Mavericks and take any of your live questions as well as we are live on YouTube. Again, apologize for those on YouTube that we do not have a picture. I forgot my webcam on this trip and my laptop webcam does not work. So we'll have to get that fixed. Lenovo's customer service in the past has been great. So hopefully we'll have that fixed here fairly shortly. Questions coming just a second. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen every single day when you're done with the show today. Locked on Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd has amazing stuff is getting you ready for the fantasy season, whether it's daily or in fantasy teams, all available for you at Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Get your questions. One about Trent Forrest and Mia Oni, other about Jared Butler. Get you ready for where I think the Jazz are in preseason and ready for tonight's game as we continue today on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is brought to you by Sweat Block. I used it. It's amazing. It's the number one antiperspirant on Amazon. Bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years and over 13,000 reviews. It was on the Rachel Ray show. Uh for firefighters, not for Rachel Ray. Um, there are one of the things that out there is excessive sweating. No one talks about it, but it's true. You know it. You're sweating through your shirt for no reason. It's embarrassing. Or there are those moments when you speak in public or have those various things that are um, going to create the excessive sweating. Well, that's where sweat block comes in. So sweat block as a natural, regular antiperspirant, if you're an anti-sweater, is amazing. And then there's also the sweat block antiperspirant wipes that you can use if you know you're about to head into a big date, an important speech, an interview, one of those items that are out there. Sweat block is strong and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before bedtime. Go to bed the next morning. You wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. I used it right before this road trip. Seven-day sweat. Like, it's it's working. It's amazing. Sweat block. Get it today, 20% off sweatblock.com. That's sweatblock.com. Use the promo code locked on and get 20% off. Speaking of Josh Lloyd and Fantasy Sleeper has got the best new game out there. It's called Game Pick. Owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team score rather than getting caught into can I find a team player that plays four games versus a team that plays five games versus a team? All that kind of garbage that you've dealt with before when playing fantasy when you can't figure out how to make sure and all the busy work of how many games are they play and what's going to count? Do I want the guy who plays four games or three games? And you actually just don't pick the best players. You just pick who's playing the most games. That's not fantasy. So game picks is there for you. Pick one game per week for each player. So you look at player matchups, home versus way, rest, offensive defense, rest, look at rest, look at rest. I trust me, look at rest, pace of play. 
Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, Game Pick has you covered on all of them. So download the Sleeper app now and start a Game Picks league with your buddy as we're two weeks away from the start of the NBA season. That's actually my biggest point for where the Jazz are right now. This preseason's really long this year. It's been really short in years past. And this year, frankly, it's really long. And the Jazz don't need where we are right now. So I kind of think Joe and, like, they sat Joe and Rudy the other day because they played Olympics. I suspect they sit Joe and Rudy again today. I don't know. Maybe we won't see Mike and Donovan today. Um, Because the fact is, when we come back from this road trip or this trip, like, as of today, we're two weeks away from training camp. The Jazz don't need more than two weeks away. They probably get tomorrow off, practice Friday, Saturday, take sun. That's two practices. Take Sunday off, play Monday, take some sort of work on Tuesday, but not a lot, just game refilm. Play Wednesday, probably game refilm on Thursday. Okay, now practice Friday, practice Saturday, get it off, Sunday off, practice Monday, practice, get through things Tuesday. That's six, seven practices for a team that the top seven guys have been together who, like, Eric Pascal's got to learn the system. Okay, great. Hassan Whiteside's got to learn. Like, it's not, there's not that much to it that these guys aren't going to get it in five or six practices. I almost feel as though Jazz Camp hasn't started yet. Bonding, togetherness, working together, going to Vegas, all the things these guys have talked about. Uh, Joe Ingles did a really interesting interview, largely led by Andy Larson yesterday, about kind of the what they did in Vegas and how they addressed um, the loss, playoff losses, and everyone gave their opinion. And Joe was talking about how really interesting it was to hear Rudy Gay and some of the other guys talk about how they play the Jazz and what how they prepare for the Jazz and what they try to do against the Jazz and some of those aspects of things. Um, and, and that is super interesting. And that, But that's what this is about right now, is just being together as a group, being on the road, being in Vegas, rebonding. They've all been away from each other and had different experiences the last four and a half months, as Joe and, and Mike Conley have both pointed out. And just, you know, start working on your game again training camp like digging into the adjustments and the changes and who they are and what they're going to be and how they're going to be different this year and those that starts probably friday and that's 10 days or yeah it's like 10 days away it's plenty of time so i really feel like we're not even having started i, I kind of suspect the jazz are going to not be particularly good tonight and i'm fine with this like they weren't very good against san antonio it does, they're, they're a veteran team the majority of their minutes are back the main guy they need to work in rudy gay is not available so that and Hassan Whiteside is going to play like he started the other night. Rudy's probably not, like you're giving him a ton of time in these opening two games to figure it out. Jared Butler is just going to go through the natural progression of what a rookie goes through, which is hard. And then, frankly, as much as it's fun to watch these other guys, I thought Elijah was really good the other night. I got a question about Mia Oni and Trent Forrest. They're unlikely to play. And so this is still a really early in the process of this season. I know we're all eager and chomping and ready to go, but this is still really, really early in this process for this season. Um, things. Hey, I had a great story, a conversation with Boyan Bogdanovich yesterday about he's a huge soccer fan. And I was asking him, like, when he goes to games and he goes to Champions League's games, and, and he also is from his favorite teams in Croatia where he grew up, um, and – he, he, I said, well, like, how do you, like, when you go to games, you just go with the fans. What do you, so if it's a Croatian team game, like his community, he just goes with his buddies 
in the crowd, normally dressed up like with his scarf and his team shirt on or whatever they call him in soccer, totally geeked out in the middle of the masses of the crowd, cheering on his Croatian team. If he goes to a Champions League game where he's going to watch just great soccer because he's a huge fan, then he says, ah, then I'll use my VIP and get a suite and get it nice. But I thought it was a really interesting perspective, a little bit on who Boyan is and how he views things that he, in that circumstance, is, yeah, I'll use my clout, my money, what I've done. But if it's my people and I'm with my fan, my, my true core to who I am, then I'm going to be going with the, in the crowd as one of the guys. Um, I thought that was a particularly interesting uh, little note. Uh, let's see. Chris Jones has discovered there's a morning stream and is in. James Knight wants to know, will Butler, let's see, here's his question. Will Butler play significant minutes with a second unit or will this be a great benefit to Joe allowing him to play off the ball? I mean, I think if Butler is able to really play significant minutes, which I, I don't have high hopes for because I just think this league is so brutal on rookies, so it's not a comment of Butler, it's a comment of the league. Um, but if he could really play 10 or 12 minutes a night, what that allows is Joe to shift to the four Donovan to play off the ball a little bit more. It, it, it has a wonderful trickle down effect. He's very mature. He's got a good attitude toward things. Um, he's not scared of the moment. He's got abundance of confidence. Uh, so there are a lot of reasons why he might be able to do this. My only reason why I'm saying, I don't think he will is not anything about him. It's about how great the league is, how difficult the league is. So he really, He's really been impressive um, in that regard. Who has been better, Trent Forrest or Mia Oni? I don't love this question, um, Zach. It feels a little bit like you're asking me if I still beat my wife. Um, if you've ever heard that question, like there's no way to answer that question without in getting a bad answer. So like if I answer who's more improved by Mia Oni or Trent Forrest, I'm actually placing one above the other. I think we saw incredible growth out of Trent in the summer league this year. And he's just so strong and he's able to hold people on his hip and he does such a great job with how he plays. Um, and what he does, if you listen to what Leonard Hamilton says about Trent and just what an amazing leader he is and the kind of soul of that program, you just know how special he is. Mia, I think had a great experience by playing for Nigeria and having that and then being in LA and going on the run with the guys in LA this summer. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't want to answer like who's more improved one. I actually don't have an answer. I haven't seen enough to answer, but two, it's kind of an unfair question in the sense that it like means I'm criticizing one of them where I think both of them, Trent really has become a remarkable story and we'll see, obviously his shot is the item he's got to improve the most, but frankly, Mia's got to shoot better than he did in the second half of last season. Also, um, is this a make or break year for the Mitchell Gobert duo? I don't think it is a make or break, but I think you're ignorant if you don't think like the timing, it, like the clock is running in somewhere in the next two or three years. Sure. But I mean, look at what the Bucks did. Like, was that a make or break? You could have easily said the same thing the year before they won the title, that it was a make or break year for Adetokounmpo and Middleton in the bubble. And it turned out they won the title um, the next year. So um, we'll see. Uh, why did Jeff Hornacek come off the bench in the first two months of the 95, 96 season? Now, if you think I can remember this, you got to be insane. But I think the answer is we signed Chris Morris in the off season and Jerry Sloan, for some reason, decided that he got wanted a Hornacek as the sixth man and to let Morris start. And, uh, it didn't work. If I'm right, if I'm right, I want a little love. You can criticize me. 
rightfully when I say that Jared Butler played for the Butler Bears instead of the Baylor Bears in the broadcast. But if I just pulled that out off the top of my head some 26 years later, I want a little love. You deserve a lot of love, too. Hope you get it today. It is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Now go listen to Locked On Fantasy Basketball as your second listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network.